When dialogue dies, as it can with either person's failure to speak, to hear, or to acknowledge the other, then part of the self also dies. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Shakira Mills. I'm the Deputy Chief of Staff for Bridge Alliance. I'm joined by psychologist Linda Eleanor and psychotherapist Katie Byrne, and this is Politics and Psyche, a series of meaningful conversations about the foundation of America's most important issues and how we can use the study of our human minds to develop peaceful and effective solutions. I am so excited to be talking about such a complex topic with you all. I think for so long, we have looked at our issues on the surface. And for some reason, we haven't taken the time to dig deep into our human existence to find maybe the core of some of our issues and use that understanding to also find our solutions. So Linda, do you want to introduce yourself and tell everybody what you do in the field? Sure. Thank you, um, Shakira. I'd be glad to. So um, I've kind of shifted over the years. I started out as someone in uh, industry. I have an MBA and I worked for about 10 years in large corporations. And then I decided, ah, oh, I want to work not in corporations, but I want to help people inside corporations figure out how to work better together, right? How to lead other people better, how to just be on teams better and communicate better. So I jumped into this field called, called organization development consulting, uh, which is really where you apply psychological concepts, but more to group life. And that led me to a specialty in what I do now, which is um, what we now call Bohm-inspired dialogue. This is a communication process based on the work of the late David Bohm. And it really is about helping people learn how to think and talk better together. So that's really where I am. I'm still doing trainings and working with clients um, in that regard. So I kind of bring a little bit of the social psychology with me. Thank you, Linda. Ms. Katie Byrne, please introduce yourself. Sure, I'm Katie Byrne, and I'm a psychotherapist now for over 35 years, uh, author of a book called The Power of Being Heard and a columnist for the Sonoma Sun. So I'm honored to be here, and I've certainly been thinking about the intersection of psychology and politics for a long time. So I'm so grateful for you all joining me. This topic is, is so close to my heart. As a young African-American woman, I look around in my community, and when I observe the issues that are not only within my community, of course, but within the country as well, all I can think of is the study of the mind and how we really need to understand ourselves so that we can heal ourselves. Um, so I'll start off by saying that this here is a lot to unpack, right? I think that we can all agree. This, the subject of psychology in itself is a lot to unpack, but psychology as it pertains to how we're gonna heal ourselves as humans to then create a more socially cohesive society and better democracy, it's a lot to unpack. Um, I've been in the democracy and society reform space for almost four years now, uh, and I've been an avid social media user for about over 10. Um, and so I've come to notice that our, our society 
is transitioning into a space of, of hyper individualism and a strong perpetuation of separation to the point where we don't even connect with one another on a human level anymore. We connect with people that are close to us, maybe our family members um, or our significant others, but people that we consider friends, acquaintances, those that we work with, it's about your politics. We at every angle are so focused on the differences between us and everyone else that we are potentially altogether losing sight of the core human goals, values, and our innate nature and neurology that really interconnect us. Um, I, I think we're still aware of the existence of our interconnectedness as human beings. We're obviously aware that we're on the same planet and for the most part, we are all here to survive and thrive. Um, but I don't know if we really care anymore about the other things that connect us. I think we're hyper individual and we're not concerned with ways in which we relate to other humans. And I've always understood that like one's value of interconnectedness of human beings is directly correlated to the decisions that they make in their day-to-day -day life, as well as their outlook on other human beings that don't necessarily look or, or live like them. If you don't feel connected to human beings as a whole, then you're gonna walk in hyper-individualism and you're not gonna care about what happens to the rest of society. And it's gonna affect your decisions, especially your politics. So the more that one understands that we're all just reflections of one another and all require the same things to thrive, the less polarized we're likely to become. So essentially, I wanna start taking a closer look at some of the issues within our society and evaluate them from the basic human perspective. Um, hopefully, you know, we'll provide some insight on how to have basic compassion for other humans and solve some of our most important issues uh, through that psychological lens. So yeah, definitely a lot to unpack, which is why I'm grateful to have the two of you um, and the expertise that you bring. Um, what, what connections and importance does psychology and democracy and social issues have for you all? Well, I've been at this for a very long time. <laughs> I used to come home from college and have these horrible arguments with my father who was quite politically oriented. And I always knew that we were coming from different places, but I could never quite figure it out. So I got quite interested from a psychological point early on. I probably should have majored in psychology when I was getting my undergraduate degree, but it was all about behavioralism back in those days. So I never did. But um, I think right now I'm um, doing a lot in my spare time when I'm not working uh, around climate work. And it's, of course, a very politically hot topic right now. So I've been, I'd say since about 2014, quite active um, thinking about politics and thinking about how certainly what I do with respect to dialogue and helping people learn how to perceive difficult issues, but from various perspectives so that we can kind of see the whole issue, not just from maybe one lens, but from a variety of lenses. So I guess that's why I'm, I'm very curious about how we can put this podcast together around different issues so that we're coming from a bigger, deeper place, maybe from a psychological place, as well as from different perspectives. So that's kind of what, where I'm happy to be, you know, on this podcast with you all. Well, in my mind, you can't have democracy without mental health. 
Uh, so what I see is that we continue to create new policies, build new systems, and promote new leaders, while the pattern of destruction and violence, hatred, dividedness, prejudice, fighting, etc., continues over the span of history. You know, so um, my work, uh, I became really fascinated with the study of psychology growing up in a family with constant fighting and seeing most nights it was either something personal or something political that they fought about and i sat there wondering this does, how do we end this how do we stop the fighting so i've spent my life trying to figure that out and that's why i'm excited to be here um what i see in my work as a psychotherapist is, and I wish I could portray this to people listening, what it's like to witness change right in front of my eyes. You know, when I watch families and couples reconnect and communicate better, I know in my bones that it's possible to have unification and cooperation and to arise out of this constant uh, increase in hatred and constant conflict i know it's possible so that's why i'm here you know katie that <laughs> that i was i'll say that's beautifully optimistic of you because i'm not gonna lie there are a lot of moments throughout my day throughout my life <laughs> where i'll take a look at the state of our world and i'm like yeah no it's it's getting bad Literally, those exact words will come out of my mouth. I'll look at my partner and I say, oh, babe, it's getting bad. <laughs> no, I've noticed, though, that the, the basis of all of our interest in this topic is based in conflict, how we all came to psychology and politics and, and, their, and their correlation is all based in conflict or disapproval or dissatisfaction with the current state of, of these things. Um, and I found that interesting. And in some way, I kind of correlate it to like the amount of conflict countrywide. Like I almost hope, so here's my optimism. <laughs> I almost hope that the amount of tragedy across the U.S. right now is going to spark something in everybody's mindset, right? And we'll just get sick of it. And American culture will start to shift into a space of like healthy tribalism because we're not always supposed, we're not all supposed to be the same. Um, at all. Biologically, we're not set up that way. So socially, we will never all be one unified society in every way. No. Uh, but I kind of hope that we're going to shift into a space of like healthy tribalism and, and tribe collaboration and safety above all, right? And so I wanted to add that the government and society are literally made up of human beings. Nobody thinks about this, or maybe they do, <laughs> but when I think about it, it blows my mind and it makes it all so simple for me because then it's like, why wouldn't the study of the mind and human behavior not be at the basis of, the, of those systems issues, right? Uh, but like I said earlier, psychology and just social issues alone can be a lot to unpack. So what, what do you think we'll end up hitting on in these conversations? Like what concepts within the study of psychology or human behavior, do you think that uh, will we'll hit on most, what will be most relevant to our society? 
Well, the one thing that Katie and I were just talking about, and it goes back to what Katie was just saying in terms of the personal is political and the political is personal. I mean, I think what we're seeing right now is a profound uh, sort of bullying culture that's crept into certainly American politics, although I think it's really all over because American politics has spread, American econ economic systems have spread everywhere, which largely dominate uh, our culture. So if you have a bullying culture, if you have a dominant domination culture, with all of the media fragmentation right now, it's just getting worse, I think. So that scares me. I mean, we're now, we now talk about civil war. Well, I mean, 10 years ago, we weren't talking about civil war. So it's gotten a lot worse. And of course, women are losing their rights. Um, and that's part of the sort of bullying uh, domination culture. So I think um, from that point of view, we can bring certainly psychology into it. I mean, I, can't, I really believe, uh, after looking at indigenous cultures, I've been studying that lately quite a bit, there really are only two ways of being in the world. One is more egalitarian, where you really view everyone, not, not completely yet like, like we're all the same, but that we all should have equal rights and an equal voice in whatever the politics are of the day. Or you have a political system uh, where only a few people are in charge and then there's everybody else. And not that those two cultures are identical in every country because of course every country is going to have their own little idiosyncrasies, but you can basically see those two mindsets in a lot of different places. So what I think we need to do in, in America and American politics is to remember more of our indigenous roots and bring more of that way of being back into our political and social systems. At least that's what I'm working on doing with my clientele and, and in the work that I do. We have an increase in the uh, hatred going on in the world and it's a terrifying time. Uh, the question is, what are we going to do differently? Uh, and that's a really big question because we're in a desperate need for some new paradigm shift. Only 8% of Americans report having important conversations with their neighbors in a given year. What's happening, I think, on a general front is that we had the 60s and the boomers, and we were all excited about making a difference. Then that became a despairing uh, thing because all of the assassinations, John F. K., Martin Luther King Jr., Etc. And we gave up. So then we turned toward marriage, and we turned toward the family. And we and I think collectively we hoped uh, the family would fulfill us, and that would. And then of course we all know what happened was over fifty percent of marriages failed, then over sixty percent of second marriages fail, and now seventy three percent of third marriages fail. So now we're despairing about that. So what my understanding is, is now that we are turning toward politics to find some sense of home, some sense of belonging. And so we are literally under the gun right now on this show <laughs> to figure out, to help bring light to how to uh, shift the political arena. And I'll just say that I think there are two things. There's a systems problem. So when I work with a family in psychotherapy, there is a system there, right? So there's one person playing the role of the bully. There's one person playing the role of the passive victim, not saying anything. 
there's one person that's passive aggressive, then each person in that, each part of that system has to look at its responsibility to change, right? So that's what we have to do with all of our systems. Uh, on a personal level, I think we all have to take more responsibility than we are. Uh, there's a lot of blaming that I'm sure all three of us can do. Uh, it's easy to go out at night with friends and complain about the system and complain about whichever politician is in front of the news right now. But what are we doing that is different to bring change? Uh, that's just one of my one of my thoughts. Yeah, the, the way I guess I looked at it is, um, can we all be leaders of our own lives and literally treat everyone in our sphere of interest with the kindness and the ways we want to be treated? Um, and when we see people not treating others in ways that are human, you know, come out of values that are humanitarian, how can we encourage some other kind of approach? Uh, and I mean, it's just so sad right now, politically, we don't seem to have any follow through where people do something wrong, we just allow it to continue. That's not gonna get us anywhere. Um, I just gave a little lecture to one of my classes about a prison system. This was an interesting story where there was one enlightened leader. He had been in prison work for 25 years, but he did come from a counseling background, so it was interesting. So he knew something about how to work with people. And he just decided we are going to create a healing environment within this entire prison system. And so he did. He actually created a culture where everyone, even the inmates were treated with respect and care and concern. And that healed a lot of what I call fragmentation. Fragmentation is where communications break down and that's where you have all the conflict. So one person can make a huge difference if they have that kind of vision. You know, Linda, honestly, I think in 2022, like at this point, people have an understanding of the golden rule. Treat others how you want to be treated. Like, I think we have that down pat. The problem is that we've created a space where we are embodying that the only people that are deserving of that golden rule, the only people that are deserving of us treating them the way that we wanna be treated are those that resonate with us, our tribe. We don't find that that anyone else is deserving of that treatment um, and it's, it's showing. The people that come from where we come from and see the world the way we do and confirm and validate our perspectives, those are the people that deserve that basic respect from us. And anyone that doesn't validate our existence is an enemy or a hindrance to human livelihood, right? It goes from, <laughs> It goes from them being a foe of us personally to someone who is just diluting the, the human gene pool. And we have such pride and attachment to our individual ways that we treat people that don't resonate with us like they are what's wrong with humanity. And so that makes me want to look at like what part of the human mind <laughs> creates this cognitive dissonance and how do we reverse the ill effects of it? No, oh, you got it. I mean, there's a there's a process called projection. And if we're not in charge, if we're not, if we're not <laughs> aware of our shadow, then all we do is project our shadow onto other people and make everybody else wrong so we don't have to accept our own shadow. That's the core issue right there. So you really got it. <laughs> it's not an easy thing, this life we are living. <laughs>
You know, and really when I come to think of it, psychology isn't at all a lost or ignored study. It's actually (laughs) become oversaturated, a fad almost, in which people twist and overuse these concepts that have been carefully developed and and this vocabulary that actually means things, but people are twisting it and using it to validate their destructive habits and, and mindsets that they've grown attached to. Everybody is walking around being a narcissist and gaslighting each other, right? And and of course, advocating for mental health has become huge as well, which I'm grateful for, but we are almost using it to victimize ourselves in a way. Um, we're not we're not being compassionate of others at the same time. We're like realizing that everybody is doing the same thing to one another, right? We're all trying to protect ourselves from harm and and that's a basic human survival tactic, but we're not looking at it that way. Everybody is wrong for doing it except for us. So I'm hoping to confirm the correct uses of some of these terms that are flying around society incorrectly. And of course, give people practical tools to evaluate their life healthily and and not through the lens of like this saturated versions of these very real and significant concepts. I think uh, narcissism does arise and it is a commonly used, maybe overused term right now, but uh, it arises exactly from uh, from not being seen or heard enough, being diminished as a young person in some way, or maybe assuming that if you're loud and, and bigger than you are, then you'll be noticed. And it's an extreme sense of self-importance, uh, a cover-up for sense of inadequacy, so it brings up to me one of the questions is, <laughs> you know, um, when have any of us really, truly ever felt seen? When have any of us really, really felt heard? And that is a, a, a penetrating thing to think about. So when I work with the family, I want to back up a little bit and say one more thing on that. Uh, what I see with the, the couples in therapy is I can watch, I can visibly see a literal shift happen when one person begins to talk uh, much more from their I statement, not you. You is the blaming uh, phenomenon that we all know so well. That is, uh, that's just circular. But when we actually talk eat to each other and set up an infrastructure for listening, Uh, then we can really hear ourselves and each other. And when we insist on the I statement, you suddenly begin to get the story that the person is coming from. And it does shift things. I can't, I just wish I could tell you what it looks like when I watch it happening constantly over and over. Um, the, I think the elephant in the living room is 35% of Americans over 45 are chronically lonely. We are working with some very wounded people, all of us are. And if we don't get to the roots of the weeds, they'll just keep coming back. We've got to really understand uh, what is underneath the blame and the fighting. And we need more models more teaching, more trainings, more everything that models um, real self-disclosure and real heroism. Real heroism is not what we're seeing now. That's what everybody's using as their 
narcissistic paradigm. I want the big gun and the big, you know what, and the big pie in the sky, and then I'm going to be uh, seen and important. But, you know, it does go back to what we were beginning to talk about in the uh, earlier part of the show, the, the, um, the culture. If the culture is a uh, bullying culture, a domineering culture, then nobody feels safe to be real. Nobody feels safe to be vulnerable. And if you're not vulnerable, and Katie knows this as a therapist, then you can't ever really have closeness with other people. That's why there's so many lonely people. If you could never show up and really be who you are, most of us have vulnerable feelings. Um, then we're lonely. We shut the door behind us at night and we don't come out unless we have to for a paycheck. It's very sad. It's very sad. So, you know, the way I look at it is you have to find safe spaces in this dominant culture where you can be yourself and where you can connect with real people. So the way I do politics right now is I find safe places where I can be myself and I can talk about my values, my political values with other people who share my values. And it's not that I won't talk with other people about my values, but then I have to be careful. One thing that I always remember though, in talking with people who I think might not share my values, I just have to put my curiosity cap on. I have to not assume that I understand who they are or where they're coming from. And I just get curious and I keep asking them, wow, that's really, really interesting. How did you come to believe that? And just be interested in their story. Get them to tell their story. And often when they tell me their story, I soften myself. And then that gives me the opportunity to tell my story. So that's that's one thing I, I find as helpful. That kind of makes me think of the law of attraction, uh, which is something that I kind of live by in a way. Um, if you want to receive or manifest anything, it according to the law of attraction would be who you to maneuver in such a way that is conducive to what you are are trying to manifest and so from that and what i'm hearing from the two of you at the core it's like human beings desire to be heard and validated from other human beings and so if we as people want to connect with one another we have to start being the safe space that we desire from one another like a uh, dialogue will be happening or a gathering is going on and someone approaches the situation with compassion and vulnerability. And then it gives everybody else the green light to follow suit. And before you know it, you've got meaningful dialogue where where people leave with an understanding that maybe they didn't have before. And it, you know, it shifts their consciousness in, in a way. And they then take that shift with them and they subconsciously or consciously in some cases allow that to inform their day-to-day -day choices and their interactions with other humans. Um, and you know, to our entire point, to a certain extent, an understanding of the human mind and human desires and human needs for livelihood is needed to do this successfully. And, and that's something that I'm hoping our listeners will get from our conversations, how to really dig into the knowledge of self and use that to be decent human beings to other people, um, which will, you know, eventually restructure our systems, our, our legislative systems and our democratic culture as a whole. Yeah, I mean, you, you really hit upon what we can do in climate change work. We all need clean air. We all need clean water. We all want safe conditions in which to raise our kids. So. For me, it's finding common ground that, that we can then build upon because yeah. you can't refute. Those are basic human needs. We all need them. And we all need to really work on those right now because, as you can see, people are dying because of climate change. 
drought conditions. I, I just did a dialogue with people in, from Kenya and Tanzania, and it's bad. We heard a dollop, who, which is the lowest caste member in India, talk about um, the, how the lowest caste live often on floodplains with no real shelter. And so when they have a storm, I mean, they die. So, and that's a condition that affects all of us because we're all creating, we're all contributing to the climate in some way. And so, you know, I think things like borders, we're even talking now, a man wrote a book about how borders are gonna have to disappear because there's gonna be so much mass migration that borders won't matter anymore. So we are going to be forced to change one way or the other. Yeah, I, I wanna say that I think um, it's really uh, true that the amount of devastation and destruction and pain and suffering uh, that's happening in the world, we all know about it if we even keep our eyes open just a little bit. And then we know that in our personal lives, there are challenges all the time, the cost of living, uh, housing, uh, you name it, there's always something right around that corner. And so um, the question is, how does change happen? And I think it's, uh, I just want to play devil's advocate with myself as well as you. Uh, I think that on the one hand, we need a system uh, to start uh, building a, a way of having people talk to each other that really, really enables deep respect and listening. But at the same time, we need to be more honest. I think we have to ask ourselves the question, we might be espousing telling the truth, but are we really telling the truth in our own lives? So the question then becomes, how do we have really difficult difficult dialogues. Yay, I get to shamelessly plug the Bridge Alliance Network. There are actually a few people who are already on this mission. Joan Blades uh, and Living Room Conversations, which is the organization that she runs, is one of them. Uh, they facilitate online conversations between people who do not know each other most of the time um, and have nothing in common as they know of until the end of the conversation. Um, and they provide guidelines to having these difficult conversations and it's extremely useful and as someone who's participated in one of them, it has changed my viewpoint of having conversations with people that are nothing like me uh, and connecting with them on basic concepts that affect all of us. The National Conversation Project and the Listen First Coalition is also a network that is working on helping people with dialogue that they cannot seem to do themselves. <laughs> I was just going to say one more quick thing. What heals, what heals a cut is airing it. And you can't just tear the Band-Aid off. You know, you have to allow that it might take some time and it, there might be a scar. But uh, that's the, that is the process that we're in. Katie, are we the scar? <laughs> are we the scar civilization? Are, are we the nasty overgrowth of skin that happens when the body is trying to heal itself? <laughs> Yeah, no, I can't wait to get into these conversations with you all. I, I think we're really going to be able to provide such a compassionate and solution-oriented perspective, um, which can really do some good, as I said before. And so uh, once again, I am very appreciative of the both of you for taking this journey with me. So go ahead and tell our listeners uh, where they can get in touch with the two of you. Yeah, they can Google my website. It's the Action Dialogue Group. Dot com. And just to put a little plug in, we're just starting up a new program at the end of September. It's called the Foundations of 
foundational history and skills of dialogue. So if anyone is interested in learning pretty good life communication skills, um, jump on my website and it's all right there. And there's also a book, I've, I've co-written a book, it's been translated in five languages now, and you can find that also on my website. Uh, I can be found at conversationswithkatie.com, and that's K-A-T-Y, and my book is called The Power of Being Heard, and I'd be grateful or very happy to receive. I respond to all calls and emails and texts. If you are listening to this and you either have an idea um, for solutions to the many issues that we have uh, within our democracy or ways that you feel would be beneficial to healing democracy. If you work with an organization and you're not already connected to the Bridge Alliance community, that being a Bridge Alliance member or um, on Citizen Connect, please email me at shakira at bridgealliance.us. Um, that's S-H-A-K-I-R-A. The issues in our country are multifaceted. And so naturally it is going to take either a multifaceted solution or multiple multifaceted solutions. And so we are hearing what you all as citizens who this entire movement is for have to say about the solutions that you are supporting. So please reach out if there is anything that you would ever want us to consider, we would be happy to listen. And thank you so much for joining. We hope that you continue to listen to Politics and Psyche. We have a lot to cover and we are going to do our best to be educational and inspiring and and also in a way though this is not a back and forth conversation a safe space for you to come and listen and maybe hear yourself in our conversation and from there leave with tools to better yourself in your interactions with others Thank you.